Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. This is one of my favorite services of the year to be able to preach at Easter because this is what all of Christianity is about. And over the last three weeks, I hope we have been able to convince you that the resurrection really did happen, that Jesus really is alive, and that that's why we are here to celebrate tonight. So I'm going to preach a little different Easter message than probably what you've heard in the past because I want to challenge us to what is my response to the Easter message. You know, Easter, the cross, the resurrection, that wasn't the end. That was just the beginning. And turn with me back to Luke chapter 24. We're going to spend the rest of the time together in Luke chapter 24. And what we want to do is we want to look at our response to Easter along with two gentlemen who were disciples of Jesus that were on the road to Emmaus. Charles Kettering once said, my interest is in the future because I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. Everybody agree with that? We should be interested in the future because that's where we're going to spend the rest of our life is in the future. But too many times we have a tendency like the disciples to look back. What about your future? Easter's over. Jesus is risen. What will you do now? Luke 24, verses 13 through 16 says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to the village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all of these things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I think my first response to the Easter story is I should look for Jesus in every situation that I find myself. These gentlemen had heard the story. Verses 9 and 11 talks about, let's look back at that, verse 9. And they returned from the tomb, the women, and they told all of these things to the eleven and all of the rest. And verse 11, it says, And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. And then in verse 13, it says, Now behold, two of them, two of those people that had heard the witness 
of the women that had come from the tomb that Jesus is alive. Now they're walking this seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. In their commentary on the book of Luke, J.P. Langen says this, they are moreover not thinking of his resurrection and least of all being intimately near. How could they in this quiet, vigorous, dignified traveler be able to recognize the crucified one languished in death? In John chapter 20 and verse 15, we're told that when Mary saw Jesus the first time, she thought that he was the gardener. She didn't recognize him. These men who were disciples of Jesus are walking with him on the road after the resurrection and they don't understand that he's there with them. In all of these accounts of appearances of Jesus after the resurrection, none of them were looking for him. Jesus came to them in the midst of their situation, in the midst of their sadness, in the midst of their not understanding what was happening. Jesus came to them. So what's my first reaction to the Easter story? I need to remember that Jesus is always with me. Think about these guys that had just happened. For us, we've been studying this for a couple of thousand years. It shouldn't be any big deal for us to realize that Jesus is risen and he is with me every moment of every day. And everywhere I go, Jesus goes with me. But how many of you, like me, have a tendency from time to time to fall back? Question sometimes, oh, why God? But it shouldn't be. Matthew 28 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Wherever you go, Jesus goes with you. That sometimes was what kept me out of places I shouldn't have been. Because I remembered if I go there, Jesus goes with me because he lives inside of me. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is quoting Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. So I need to understand that in every situation I find myself, when everything's wonderful, Jesus is with me. When everything's terrible, Jesus is with me. You've heard the story of the man that 
was walking along the beach and his life was like this walking along the beach and he saw two sets of footsteps, his and Jesus's. And then he noticed as he was looking at his life in the hard times when everything was dark, he only saw one set of footprints in the sand. And he was questioning the Lord, why when things got bad did you leave me? And Jesus said, oh, my son, that's when I carried you. Sometimes we don't feel his arms around us, but Jesus is always with us. And then my second reaction to the Easter story is I need to let Jesus into my conversation. Verses 17 to 24. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have one with another as you walk and are sad? And then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not, do not know the things which happened in these days? And verse 19, he said unto them, What things? And so they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priest and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this today is the third day since those things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Jesus, when we allow him into our conversation and we talk with him, he is a master of asking us the right questions. Here are these two guys downtrodden, walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, sad, discouraged, everything's gone wrong. And Jesus said, hey guys, what are y'all talking about that's making you so sad? And the one guy looks at him and he said, dude, are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happened? So then he's going to get them thinking about what has happened. So he goes, no, what happened? I think he knew what happened. He wanted them to verbalize what happened. And so what do they do? These two guys that had been disciples of Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus, completely discouraged, began to preach the gospel to Jesus. Here's what happened. This guy named Jesus came, and he was a great prophet, and he did all of these marvelous things, but they crucified him. And he told us he was going to rise again, and the ladies couldn't find him, but we don't believe him, so we're heading to Emmaus. Verse 21, they confessed, we were hoping he was the one who would redeem Israel. They weren't looking for their own redemption. They were looking for redemption of the nation 
of Israel. Imagine you were one of these disciples. You've left everything you knew to follow Jesus. You've been alienated from your family and your friends. You've given your finances, your talents, and your time to follow Jesus. You truly believe in your heart that Jesus is the one. He's going to change everything. He's going to bring freedom from these Roman oppressors. He's going to bring prosperity back to the nation of Israel. And most importantly, we're going, he's going to bring salvation. And then you watched him die. You watched them put him in a tomb and seal it. And all of your dreams, all of your plans, everything you've based your whole life on is now gone. Let me ask you, if Jesus was to probe your heart tonight, what would he find? Maybe some of your hopes have been shattered. Maybe some of your deepest dreams have turned to horrible nightmares. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Your children have turned away from the Lord. Or maybe you showed up to work recently. That job that was going to give you financial security, they said, sorry, we're downsizing. We're moving out of Kuwait. We don't need you any longer. See, there are many ways that our hopes and our dreams and our plans and our desires can be crushed. But my question is tonight, what's in your heart? Have those crushed dreams, those disappointments, do they have you sad? Because everything you trusted in is gone? Well, I've got good news. Jesus is walking beside you. Jesus is there with you. And then the next thing, my response is, I need to let Jesus challenge my beliefs from the scripture. Verses 25 to 27. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expanded to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, Jesus wanted them and he wants us to understand the scriptures. He needed them to understand what his suffering was about. There can be no resurrection as Pastor Dale said on Friday, without a crucifixion. There can be no eternal life without the death on the cross. John Phillips said, we love the 23rd Psalm because it begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. 
He says the problem is you cannot get to Psalm 23 until first you go through Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 opens with this verse. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Seven mile walk. If you walk really briskly, to stay in shape, you're supposed to walk a 15-minute mile. Most people average about 20 minutes a mile. So if you look at that, that's over two hours, almost two and a half hours of one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus, the Messiah, opening up to them the Scripture. I wonder if he went to Genesis 3.15 and the seed of the woman shall crush the head of Satan. Or maybe he talked about the Passover lamb and the Old Testament sacrifices that were a foreshadow of his sacrifice. Maybe he went to Psalm 22:16 and says, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me, and they have pierced my hands and my feet. Or maybe he went to Isaiah 53 probably the greatest prophecy in the Old Testament of the Messiah. Or maybe he went to Psalm 1610 that talks about the resurrection. I don't know. There are hundreds of Old Testament scriptures that he could have gone to. But I don't know about you, but I wish I had a tape recording of that two-and-a-half-hour talk between Jerusalem and and Emmaus, where Jesus unfolded the scriptures to these two men. See, he was using God's word to fan the flames of their faith. And Jesus wants this word to do the same thing for you and I. This word is what fans the flames of our faith. Another reaction to Easter is I need to ask Jesus to open my eyes. Verses 28 to 32. And they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would go further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them. And it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? My prayer tonight is Jesus Open my eyes to your word. Let me see what you have for me. And the closer they got to Jesus, the more they were able to see the wonderful things that God had for them. Jesus, open my eyes. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13 he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me and when you search for me with all of your heart. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added. And then James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If we ask God to open our eyes to see the scripture, open our eyes to let us know that he is with us all of the time, when we allow him into our conversation and let his word challenge our belief systems, things will change. And then the last challenge, verse 33 to 35. So they arose up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. My final reaction to the Easter story is I must tell others what has happened. Also in verses 46 to 48, it's the great commission. It's wonderful that Jesus is risen. And it says that they returned at once. Here they are, they've walked this two and a half hours from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They get home, they go in, they have supper. Jesus reveals himself to them and it says immediately they go back to Jerusalem. The same road they walked in despair and disappointment is now a road they're walking in victory and rejoicing because he is risen, they said, indeed. Remember, they had already been told two and a half, three hours earlier that he had risen and they didn't believe it. Now they believe it. He is risen indeed. This road now is a road of victory. They got on that same road and they went back and they told it. I want to challenge you tonight. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know the greatest news the world can ever hear. And God wants us to tell it. Wrapping this all up, here's the deal. The death of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus on Easter does not save the human race. Hear me. The death on the cross and the resurrection does not save the human race. If that saved the human race, then everyone would be saved. No, what saves us is when we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And Romans says, how will they believe unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone tells them? What is our greatest response to the resurrection? We need to be witnesses of what he has done.
See, the death and the burial provide the means by where man can be saved. But until they believe on it and confess it with their mouth, it does them no good. But this is good news. And my question for you is, what are you doing with it? Are you holding on to it? Or are you giving it to others? There are two seas in Galilee, the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. Both of them received the life-giving water of the Jordan River. One of them is full of life and one of them is full of death. What's the difference? Simple. The Sea of Galilee is alive because everything it receives, it gives out on the other side. And it's continually renewing its life. But the Dead Sea, there is no outlet. Everything it receives, it holds on to, it hoards it, it puts it away, it stores it up. And that life-giving water of the Jordan turns to death. Any of you ever been in the, red, in the Dead Sea? It's slimy. If you have a cut on your body, it stings like crazy. And don't do like I did. I, I'm a head sweater. And it was hot and I started sweating and I'd been swimming and I wiped my eyes bad move my question today is do you want to be the dead sea or do you want to be like the sea of galilee and the way to be like the sea of galilee is to take the message the good news of the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus and pass it on to others pastor dale you want to come and let's get ready for communion let me pray for you Father, I come to you and I thank you once again for this evening. Father, I thank you for the, the chance to come once again and to worship you and to, to hear your word. What a beautiful story that we heard from the choir. But Father, you want that to be every one of our stories. Every one of us was like that thief. We deserve to die the death that Jesus died, but the same way that he said, you will be with me in paradise, he's made that same promise to every one of us. And Father, help us to understand that in every situation we find ourselves, that Jesus is with us, that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. And those times when it seems the hardest, that's when he's the closest to us, sometimes even carrying us. Father, we thank you that you will help every one of us to go forth from this place tonight and proclaim as those two men on the road to Emmaus, when their eyes were open, they immediately turned and found their friends and their brothers back in Jerusalem and said, he is risen indeed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.